0: Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show, and we welcome back Senator Phil Graham, former Senator Phil Graham from Texas, the great state of Texas. He's now an AEI visiting scholar, American Enterprise Institute. Recently, the author of "The Myth of American Inequality: How Government Biases Policy Debate." I I think we woke him up here on a Saturday morning. I'm not sure. Rumor is, but we got him. Bill Graham.
1: Well, I am awake.
0: (laughs) Well, that's wonderful. (laughs) That's wonderful. An awake Phil Graham is a great resource for America. How's that? Anyway. Thank you, I want to talk about your op-ed piece. Uh, It's about a week old. No, it's less than a week old. Biden is transformational and not in a good way. And... uh, they, you know what? The stuff they're doing, the regulatory stuff, I mean, the spending is bad. And Ke- I think Kevin McCarthy's got him in a hole now, Senator Graham. I yeah, think, I do, too. You know, McCarthy delivered a budget to raise the debt ceiling, a very good budget. Uh, but the other stuff that's going on here, like the EPA, which I talked a lot about on the TV show this week, um, the EPA basically wants to end the internal combustion engine, stop gas-powered cars in favor of electric vehicles. So that, so they want to take over the whole car industry. And then secondly, they want to end the entire fossil fuel industry. That's, you know, those are the goals here. I mean, in like 10 years. Now, that is transformational, but not in a good way, wouldn't you
1: say? Yeah, I think, Larry, the point of the article is that across the board, from um, the control of the currency who is forcing banks to implement uh, ESG uh, uh, conditions to uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission, which is imposing the same uh, uh, rules, environmental uh, Restrictions on private business uh, to the new announced this week after the article, the changes in power plant regulation Mm. that in essence will choke off oil and gas uh, over the next 20 years. Uh, Everybody laughed when uh, there was talk in the Biden administration about transforming America. But these regulations, unless American business can find a unified voice uh, or unless a divided Congress can use riders to restri- on appropriations to restrict uh, the regulatory power of uh, the Biden administration or unless the courts bring us salvation, uh, America is going to be a different country. At the end of one Biden term, it's a very frightening prospect.
0: Senator, what's the. T- tell me about riders on appropriations.
1: Well, basically, uh, a rider would say, for example, um, the Biden administration has entered into an agreement with 187 nations to impose a corporate minimum tax. And if we don't adopt it uh, uh, in the U.S., that is, if Congress does not adopt their minimum uh, international income tax, then these countries will impose it on American companies on their U.S. earnings. Um, What a writer would say is that no funds uh, appropriated in this act would go to – The OECD, Mm. the international organization that spearheaded this uh, international tax, until that tax uh, was repudiated. And in essence, you cut off the money. Or when you fund the Treasury Department, uh, you would have a rider that would say, none of the funds – Authorized by law to increase the funding by the IRS uh, by uh, funding at the IRS by $80 billion mm. shall be appropriated in this act or spent by the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, now, the, the, the Senate can refuse to pass that bill, but let's go back to OECD. And it would be in foreign operations, appropriations. If the House just simply said, we're going to fund the State Department and foreign operations, but our bill will not include funding for OECD, at some point the Senate and the White House would break.
0: Huh? They'd be stuck and they need the money. Yeah, yeah, we
1: did that all the time. Yeah, Uh, they were normally small issues. Uh, And normally there was a consensus in the House and Senate, uh, but when I was an appropriator, I never wrote an appropriation bill that I didn't direct something um, uh, that I was trying to achieve.
0: Well, I think think all these regulations – I mean, you've got – it's a a great line here – from Wall Street to Silicon Valley, from the Permian Basin to the Chicago Loop – an iron net of regulation has descended across the American economy. That's great. Churchill's metaphor. Terrific, terrific, terrific. Um, then you write later on, uh, the Biden administration revealed on day one when the president instructed every department agency in office to tilt the scales of cost-benefit analysis by counting social welfare, racial justice, environmental stewardship, human dignity, equity, and the interests of future generations. They do that to measure the benefits of these government actions. And then uh, they fiddle around. They cut the discount rate in order to increase the value of future benefits, even though interest rates have gone way up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is just yeah. so bad. I mean, that is well, the whole who thing is just bad.
1: what equity means. Yeah. Um, So it can be anything you make it up as being. Now, this is frightening stuff. This is the regulatory state in action. And, uh, you know, business is now so intimidated by this regulatory power uh, that it's hard to see at what point here Atlas shrugs. Mm -hmm. It's hard to see, you know, the Chamber of Commerce might have once been uh, a uh, a reasonable national spokesman, but now uh, it's hard to see any kind of unified effort coming out from American business. Mm. So the courts are sort of the last refuge. So, and, the EP- clearly, clearly this stuff has virtually no basis in law.
0: So EPA versus West Virginia could be used to stop a lot of this stuff.
1: Couldn't it? Yeah, it's just the courts take so long. Mm. And there's so much of it. Um, I don't ever remember a ruling that was, wasn't specifically targeted toward the question in front of the court. You know, where where you might have a ruling that just struck down a broad array of action. Maybe there's been one. Maybe there could be one. Uh, But uh, um, I don't remember it. But
0: these EPA EPA actions, Phil, I mean, they are basically designed, the tailpipe, I'm talking about the tailpipe emission stuff, They're, they're basically designed to end the internal combustion engine. Which we've had yeah. for whatever 125 years or more. Um,
1: Though the law was written to conserve gasoline in a period of gas shortage, the law had nothing to do with carbon. Mm. The law had nothing to do with the objective. had the objective of sustaining gas powered engines uh, by conserving fuel. Uh, and the same with the power plant Act, the Power Plan Act was about pollution. It wasn't about global warming mm. and the and people do not understand the ramifications of all this. Mm. If the American public really understood what all this is going to cost, what all this is going to mean to American living standards um uh there would be an uproar in the country, uh, but we've not done a good job, maybe only because at, at this point are we beginning to recognize that this is not a, a, a runaway regulatory agency or some officious bureaucrat. This is a broad wave of regulatory expansion that is built on law that is basically made up as they go. Mm. It's the total antithesis of what America's Republican form of government is about.
0: So if we're going to end gasoline-powered cars or the internal combustion engine, don't you think uh, somebody should vote on that? (laughs) House, the Senate? I mean, there ought to be a vote.
1: Well, and look, look at all of the value of our retirement funds that will be destroyed by this action. Mm. Look at the costs that will be uh, borne by all the moms and pops that own filling stations, uh, uh, garages, um, um, auto parts. Mm. for the internal combustion, and all that will be destroyed. And then you'll have the cost of building it back in a technology that is less efficient. Mm. Uh, One of the things that's missed here, Larry, is when you adopt a new technology that's more efficient, uh, productivity goes up, wages go up, uh, the living standards of society go up. But when you adopt technology that is less efficient economically, whatever its carbon generation is, productivity goes down, wages go down, general prosperity declines. Uh, when Biden is talking about we're creating millions of new jobs in this new technology but the new technology is not competitive. Mm. The new technology is less efficient. Now, it generates less carbon, supposedly. Remember, you still got to generate the electricity to put in all these cars that are running off electricity. And the idea that you can generate that electricity with uh, uh, wind and solar power is laughable. Mm. So, I mean, it's not going to work in the end, but it's going to be an extraordinarily expensive um, uh, experiment. And it's not saying the world is coming to an end, but it is saying that actions are being taken that the representatives of the American public never voted for. If you went out and asked people, what would you be willing to pay every month? reduce carbon emissions my guess is the average uh, family might say ten dollars twenty dollars we're talking about hundreds of dollars Mm -hmm. thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. uh, in some cases so uh, and this is not just all about the environment it's about everything else Um, it's forcing business not to be efficient in in producing goods and services but in achieving equity mm-hmm. right uh, whatever that means um uh, but it doesn't mean uh fairness it doesn't mean merit we know that
0: this is socialist lab
1: experiment that's all it is and it ain't going to work And it's one that's being conducted without any agreement on the part of the public,
0: or I might add, any real agreement among the scientists.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Well, because they just cherry pick numbers. I, Phil, hang on one second. All right, I got to take a quick break. Just give me—I need three minutes for a commercial break, folks. We're talking to the great senator, former senator from Texas, Phil Graham, my dear friend. His book is called "The Myth of American Inequality." how government biases policy debate. You can go and find his great op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal, uh, Biden is transformational and not in a good way. It was dated uh, April 24th of this year, and it was co-authored with my pal, former Senator Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania. Anyway, Phil Graham and I will be right back after this short message.
1: Larry Kudlow.
0: Former Senator Phil Graham of Texas, he's now a visiting scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. His book is The Myth of American Inequality, How Government Biases Policy Debate. We've been talking about his op-ed piece this past week in The Wall Street Journal with former Senator Pat Toomey. The title of the piece is Biden is Transformational and Not in a Good Way, for sure. Uh, Phil, I wanted to spend a moment... um, Kevin McCarthy put together a pretty good budget, including a debt ceiling hike. Uh, I don't think that Joe Biden and his folks in the White House or Chuck Schumer or whomever took McCarthy seriously. But now they have to. And I wanted to get your take on this, because it's been 87 days since they last met Biden and McCarthy. Biden's been saying for several months, I won't negotiate with you until you show me a budget. Well, McCarthy just produced a debt ceiling budget. And now they they basically, Biden basically, Phil, doesn't want to cut one nickel out of the budget. That's really what's at stake here, not one nickel. And I was remembering, weren't your Graham-Rudman deals, weren't those about the debt ceiling years ago?
1: Yeah, and, and. Biden voted for it. <laughs> right. In fact, in his service in the in the Senate, Biden from Graham Rudman till he left the Senate, he voted against a uh, successful amendments to use the debt ceiling to control spending only once, and that was when it had a full blown Republican budget on it. So uh, this whole idea uh, that you can't uh, use the debt ceiling to rein in spending, when do you deal with your overspending except when the bill collector's at the door? You get out. That's when you sit the family down and get out the butcher knife and cut up the credit card. Mm. I think McCarthy passed an excellent debt ceiling bill. It was strong leadership. He did what he had to do to get the job done. The House has raised the debt ceiling. It's now up to the Senate and the White House. And there will be some tense moments. But the Biden administration is shocked. They did not believe that Kevin McCarthy could put together 218 votes, and he did it. Mm. Uh, And uh, the country is much better off. Uh, as a result, we are carrying forward hundreds of billions of dollars of new social spending from the pandemic. Pandemics uh, are like wars, as it turns out. Uh, government grows, and then they don't want to go back to their old size. Well, when the debt, when the we the debt ceiling is now as big as gross domestic product. Uh, This is critically important to the future of the country. Uh, You've got to give Kevin McCarthy an A-plus here. Uh, There's still a lot of negotiating to do, and he's going to have to stand tall. Uh, But he now is in control of the debate. Yeah. He did something. He's in the the Senate pass a debt ceiling.
0: He's in the driver's seat. He's completely reversed everything. I mean, it, it happened fast. I was just going back, Phil Graham, uh, eight times in the last 38 years debt ceilings have been used to curve spending. What I have is two Graham Rudman's during the Reagan years, once more under Papa Bush, three Clinton Gingrich deals during the 90s and two deals, two deals during the Obama years. And Biden was the point guy with John Boehner. Uh, former Speaker John Boehner, in 2011. They used the debt ceiling well, to cut spending.
1: This just proves that the Joe Biden that is sitting in the White House today is not the Joe Biden we do in the Senate. Hmm. Boy,
0: that's a long conversation, isn't it?
1: No, I know, but it's, uh, it is evidence, uh, clear and convincing evidence. This is a man that voted against all except one, of the efforts to rein in spending on a debt ceiling uh, that passed from the time Graham Rudman passed initially uh, until he left the Senate.
0: Mm. Is this a, I mean, is he in charge? Is he in control? Does he know this stuff? I mean, he looks so cranky and salting, you know, doesn't have the sense of humor he used to have as a senator. I mean, I just can't figure it out. Are people pulling his strings in there? you got all these left-wing Bernie Sanders-type socialist people. It's just, I just don't get it because, as you say, it runs against everything he's done in the past as a senator.
1: Well, the idea that it is wacko yeah. to want to rein in government spending when the national debt is as big as the economy uh, is laughable, and it is it is so true that all of the sort of crazies that were hidden away during the Obama administration are now, in essence, running things. Mm. So I don't know whether he's in charge or what, but I know that this is not the same Biden that I served with in the Senate mm. and that voted for Graham Rudman. Yep, yep, um,
0: yeah. Anyway... Senator Phil Graham, we love you. Keep coming with all this great stuff.
1: Tell your wife we send our love.
0: All right, thank you. Same to Wendy. Take care, sir. Thanks for your time. Bye. All right.